welcome to In Conversation With, a podcast from The Lancet Microbe. It's December 2022 and I'm Rebecca Barksby. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Dr. Michael Otto, Senior Investigator within the Laboratory of Bacteriology at the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, part of the US National Institutes of Health in Maryland in the USA. We're going to be talking today about his and his collaborators' phase two trial that used a probiotic for Staphylococcus aureus decolonization. This trial took place at the Prince of Songla University in Thailand in 2021 and randomized people who were colonized with Staphylococcus aureus to receive either placebo or an oral probiotic that was comprised of the bacteria Bacillus subtilis. Welcome, Michael. Hello. So, Firstly, your trial investigated the effectiveness of a probiotic in patients colonised with Staphylococcus aureus. Could you provide us with some context about colonisation with this bacteria and the probiotic that you studied? Well, thank you very much. I will. But let me first thank you again for giving me this opportunity to discuss our study and give some background information. And I also would like to thank our collaborators in Thailand. I mean, while we did um, some lab work and had the overview and the planning and analysis, the trial itself was done by our collaborators at the uh, Prince of Songkhla University in Southern Thailand. So I just wanted to make sure that they give uh, that we give the credit to them as well. So um, Staphylococcus aureus. So this is the bug that I have been researching on my whole life, basically. Um, that's often often abbreviated as staph, uh, and it is one of the most important causes of infectious diseases worldwide. Um, mostly, you know, staph uh, from skin infections moderately severe skin infections that it can cause in the community. But it gets more serious if it's a, a hospital-associated infection. And that's what staff very often does. It's, it's the leading cause of hospital-associated infections. And they can get very severe. Really, a variety of different infections, bone infections, lung infections, pneumonia, very, very often and um, sepsis, blood infections. And these can be fatal, and they are very often fatal. And, and Staph aureus is one of the, uh, clearly the most frequent killers uh, in hospitals. So this is a dangerous bug. And how is it treated? By antibiotics. I mean, all bacterial infections are treated by antibiotics. Only uh, Staph aureus, as many other uh, bacteria, have developed antibiotic resistance over time. So in the very beginning, like in the 40s of the last century, when penicillin came out, that was an effective drug, but then it developed resistance. Then researchers came up with methicillin, and the same thing happened in the 60s, 70s. And by now, we have like worldwide spread of uh, the methicillin-resistant Staph aureus. You all know that as MRSA or MRSA. So now we face the situation that it's not only resistant to methicillin very often, but also becomes increasingly resistant to other antibiotics. And then those antibiotics that are the alternatives to methicillin, they're often not as great as methicillin, right? Vancomycin still works, but is not as great an antibiotic for staph as methicillin is. So that's the background of the whole thing. Now, researchers have been trying 
to find alternatives to antibiotic treatment to deal with staph infections. There are vaccines. That, unfortunately, is a series of failures. Um, people have been trying that for decades, and there is no working vaccine for Staph aureus. Then there are some more modern approaches, like you know, targeting virulence or using phage therapy, very investigational and preliminary for now. So this whole study is about prevention, basically, as an alternative to treatment. So decolonization, why is that a prevention therapy, uh, uh, to prevention strategy for as aureus? This is because some people are naturally colonized by Steph aureus asymptomatically. So Steph aureus doesn't do much harm in those cases. It's about one third of the population or so roughly. And these people who are naturally colonized have an increased risk for infection. So the whole idea of decolonization is you remove the Steph aureus that asymptomatically colonizes you, and so you have a lower risk for infection. So given that using a probiotic to decolonize staph is preventive, this essentially means that this method doesn't contribute to the development of antibiotic resistance. And yet it's quite unusual to see a paper on probiotic therapy. So why is this method not more widely used? Well, so here um, we have to say that we are uh, using a very specific approach. You know, this is not an antibiotic um, that is the probiotic that you that you buy when you go to a drugstore. So these are these are often very ill-defined things. There are a lot of bacteria in there and nobody really works um, why they work, if they work. So the probiotics have been attributed um, some broad immune stimulatory effects and um, there are some mechanisms that are known, but this is not at all what we're talking about here. You know, some some time ago, uh, we had this study uh, come out in 2018 in Nature that, that, that outlines the whole scientific basis of this. And um, I have to maybe describe that a little bit for people to understand. So in this study back in 2018, uh, we we looked at um, um, feces. So basically, it's a readout for intestinal colonization. We looked at the feces of people all over Thailand, and we found is quite striking that those that had Staph aureus never had bacillus and the other way around. And then we thought there is something going on, bacillus inhibiting to- colonization by Staph aureus. It was not a bacteria sin as we first thought. It happens more often that would be like direct killing of one bug by the other. It was a little bit more complicated. So, so what happens here is that bacillus subtilis and other bacilli, they secrete substances, uh, they're called uh, fengicins, lipopeptides, or so the part lipid, part protein. And they specifically inhibit an S. aureus system that we also found in the study is needed for Staph aureus to colonize the intestine. It's a very specific thing. It's just not your, your random do whatever it is probiotic. So I think I, I, I should make that clear. Yeah. Sure. 
So could you now give us an overview of your trial that's published in The Lancet Microbe and its main findings? Yes. Um, so this is kind of straightforward. <laughs> and now based, based on, on, on all this uh, scientific background that I gave you, uh, the next step, I mean, we showed all that in mice in our 2018 paper, that when you give bacillus, um, then you can basically almost totally um, eliminate Staph aureus from the gut. So next step, very logically, we wanted to know, does that work in humans? So we had uh, human volunteers and we first had to screen them, of course, whether they're colonized by Staph aureus, because not all people are, right? So we first had several hundred people that we screened. And I think in the end, we then formed um, a treatment group and a placebo group um, of about 40 something each. And um, so the people receive, so the, the treatment group, they receive the bacillus subtilis probiotic one pill every day. And the placebo group, the same thing with some sugar, right, placebo. And then after four weeks doing this, we simply investigated whether the Staph aureus that the people had before, and we we also proved that it was permanent, not like going up and down in those people, that, you know, whether this was reduced or not. And we found that it was actually very strongly reduced. So it was, it was almost as clear as our mouse study had suggested. So we could, um, uh, we could reduce the Staph aureus colonization in the gut by about 97%. And what I have to say here too is that maybe, you know, people who are listening and have some idea about medicine, microbiology, they will say, well, you know, I learned, in college, or I look in, up in the textbook and I found that Steph Aureus colonizes the nose and not the gut. So, um, so, so that is correct. It colonizes the nose. But there are many reports, I mean, over quite some time, that Steph Aureus also colonizes the gut. And it's, it's, it's interesting that that has just very much been neglected. Uh, despite the numbers, as we've shown in our study, and also previous studies have shown, the numbers in the gut are orders of magnitudes higher. So now why has nobody ever looked at the gut colonization? Well, I think there are two reasons. First, the relative proportion of staph in the nose is higher. And in the gut, the relative proportion, I mean, among all the Many, many bacteria in the gut, you know, staph is only a little bit. But so when you do, when you're microbiologist and you streak out, you know, what you have in the nose and you have in the gut, there's a higher chance that with the same amount of bacteria, you find staphorus in the nose, but not in the gut. But if you look at the absolute numbers, the staph in, in the gut is much higher. And another reason why, why I think it has not really been looked at that much is that before our study, Nobody really had a chance to attack the Staph aureus in the gut specifically. You know, the only thing that you can do for delicolonization so far with Staph is you give antibiotics. Now, if you, if you smear antibiotics in the nose, it doesn't do much harm, right? You don't destroy that much. But you cannot give antibiotics for the gut because if you eradicate everything in the gut, you, you get into all those risks of C. difficile infections are definitely, I would say, contraindicated to use, to use a medical term. So you, you cannot really do that. So another reason why people haven't looked at the gut from the angle of decolonization is that there was no way to do that in the first place, right? 
So now we can do it. We can specifically target staph aureus in the gut without doing harm to all the good bacteria that we have in the gut. Yeah, you've kind of answered my next question there, which was uh, (laughs) um, what were the main implications of the findings for your field? But you've answered that beautifully in that question. Um, So finally, what do you think um, is next for probiotic treatment for staph infections, both in terms of your own future research and its use in the clinic one day? Yeah, so what we're doing right now is we're thinking a lot about uh, which patient population could benefit most from such an approach. And then, of course, ultimately uh, start a clinical trial in that direction. Just back from Thailand, talking with our collaborators down there about exactly this. So obviously this is not, it's a long-term thing, right? The The advantage is that you can give the probiotic, it doesn't do any harm in clear contrast to an antibiotic, but it's long-term. So let's say you have somebody who is coming in for surgery and has surgery to a hospital and has surgery the next day or two days later. That's not going to work, okay? I mean, we're not proposing that. But we think that, for example, in long-term care facilities where there are people who have like super increased risk for staph infection, that you can just give them the probiotic. I mean, it, it even has other benefits than only, you know, eradicating the staph. And I think that then we could maybe lower the risk for MRSA and staph infection in these people. Or we thought, for example, about hemodialysis uh, patients who have like super increased risk for staph infection. It's, it's, they always have to come back. And, and these people, you know, if, they give them, if you give them the probiotic, you could, you could maybe, you know, decrease the staph aureus they have on the body. So they have a much decreased risk for staph infection. So this is what we're that what we're thinking about and if I, if we have some time there's one interesting thing I wanted to mention so um I received an email from somebody else at the NIH telling me that her adult daughter had chronic staph infections and had to go to the hospital repeatedly and had like always rashes coming up again. And she read our paper in 2018 and started by herself taking Bacillus probiotic, you know, went to the drugstore, got Bacillus probiotic. And they told me, you know what, ever since I did that, I didn't have to go to the hospital anymore and my rashes are down. And I was exactly that was my reaction Mm -hmm. as well. I was like... Wow, I wouldn't even have thought that. So we, we, we put this, I mean, there are maybe not many people who have that exactly no. that type of problem, but we put that on our list too. So that might be maybe a, a, a patient group that might benefit. That's, that's, that's amazing. So for, for your own research, what's, what are you next working on in terms of this? So there is, of course, the the trials, and we're going to do that with um, collaborators because we are lab rats. You know, we're mm-hmm. we're molecular microbiologists. Um, something that we're trying to find out right now is, I told you about that system that the bug needs to survive in the gut, and we're doing more research on why that is. What are the specific factors? So this is much basic research. We're trying to understand the whole underlying basis even better. Yeah, that that makes sense. Um, and just one final question: Were there any um, adverse events that you found in your trial? No, <laughs> no, it's a probiotic. I mean, this this specific strain that um, we used. Um, 
I think a company even had a paper just coming out recently about you know it's 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 safe and it has beneficial effects on the digestion and everything. So there are absolutely no yeah. adverse effects with that. Cool. Yeah. Uh, well, that was all for the questions. Um, the only one that I might have actually is: um, Could you tell us a little bit more about the study setting in Thailand? So the real reason why we did it in Thailand is simply because we had from our previous study the logistics already set up there. So so we had in this previous study, we had, I think, four or five uh, universities or places in Thailand where we collected feces. And that one university where we uh, ended up doing the trial was the one where we had the best connection. So they already had the whole thing set up, you know, to recruit patients. And that's basically um, the reason. And in terms of generalizability of the results, We've shown before that the, the, the SREA strains um, in those uh, people are very heterogeneous. And we also know from our uh, previous molecular study that um, these peptides, they work against all different strains of SREA. So there is no reason to believe why, you know, that that would not be generalizable. So, yeah. One thing I would like, one thing that I would like to add, and I, I don't know, you know, who is going to watch this, but from a more basic science point of view, we also, I think, with this study, gave some interesting insight into the dynamics of the of colonization um, by Steph Aureus, because, as I mentioned before, everybody was thinking about the nose and not about the gut, but by our intervention that specifically targeted gut colonization, where it had a very dramatic result. But we also we also found that the nose staph aureus was reduced significantly. And that we interpret as the gut actually even having a dominant role. So you could imagine that it's a little bit gross to go into the detail, but let's just say like you touch each other all, you touch each other too, but you touch yourself all the time everywhere. And you don't always use hand sanitizer, right? So Steph aureus gets distributed over the body the whole time. And what we believe happens is that there is a dominant role of the gut, as our results suggest, and that the colonization of the nose might even be only secondary, which is a little bit revolutionary for Steph aureus people to hear, but I just simply wanted to put it out. Sure, sure. It's a, it's a point that's worth um, worth re-emphasizing. And it's, it's a point that is that you describe very well in your in your paper i think um the importance of taking into account the gut as well as the nose um okay well thank you very much michael you can read dr otto's research online now at thelancet.com thank you to dr otto and thank you for listening to this episode of in conversation with the lancet microbe remember you can subscribe to in conversation with wherever you usually get your podcasts